Welcome again to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and this is actually the second half of a conversation that we posted earlier this week between myself, Pastor Brian, and Pastor Matt. Uh, This part of the conversation was so important, I I wanted to make sure it was an episode of its own. So, So we'll just be picking up right where we left off from the last episode. The question actually, I think, is why do we need to be particularly on guard about divisiveness in the church during this season? Because I think we like we always need to be on guard about divisiveness, about um, allowing things in the world and everything's to divide us. And it, it seems like we actually, I, I think that during this time, we sometimes like settle into, oh, I don't need to be on guard about that because there's other things to worry about. And I actually think we need to be more on guard about divisiveness now. Um, particularly in the midst of this, what, why do you think that is, or am, or am I wrong? No, you're. I think you're right. I think you're, you're wrong. Wait, there it is. Ah, <laughs> oh, division. <laughs> Division's not a problem. You're a problem. <laughs> I mean, I think this morning y- you did a pretty great job in the the welcome um, to talk about kind of some of the, some of the factors. I mean, the thing that I that I see the most clearly is that. Uh, when we are separated physically, we're very rarely forced to deal with people as they actually are in reality. Yeah. And we're a lot more prone to think about people as we imagine them. And so when you spent three months having like 10 imaginary conversations with someone for every one real conversation and that real ones over like the internet Mm -hmm. or, you know, (laughs) Uh, over social media, which yeah. we've talked about, yeah, yeah. and how that's not a great idea. Um, the I, I think you're, you're basically you're living in a place where every the deck is stacked against you to think not just like kindly but clearly. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one of the big reasons why I think we need to be on guard. And one of the ways that's going to look is by catching. Is you need a strong mental game. You need to catch yeah. yourself when you start having thoughts about other people. Or imaginary conversation, these kind of things that sort of pop in. They feel like they come in uninvited. They just happen to you. Mm. But you need to be able to, to see what's happening and grab them and then assert some truth on them mm. and say, like, okay, like, wh- is that actually real? Like, like kind of, you need to, there's, there's a baseline level where we need to start working from reality first. Before we start talking about pursuing kind of unity, we need to get out of the red into the black in terms of just how we understand what the world's actually like and what people are actually like right now, mm-hmm. which is particularly hard in this, mm. in this season. So I would say that everything about this season moves us in a direction towards being divided. So like you're saying, Brian, not seeing each other physically, I think does that because of um, apparently imaginary conversations you're having about with me um, in your (laughs) head um, that you need to fix, Brian. But um, there... There's that side of things where you just don't see people physically, which I think is is one factor that is really significant. Yeah, I think um, this is a novel virus <laughs> and the information has changed a lot over the last few months. And so uh, with a lot of uh, confusing information, a lot of I mean, tons of uh, tons of misinformation. um uh, tons of things that have gone one way and then gone a different direction. 
Um, so if you read this report, but not this one, then you don't get the, com you know, all yeah. these other things. So all of the information is confusing. And so I think totally. there needs to be a pretty good amount, a pretty good dose of humility about like the things that we know, mm. because we're learning a lot and I'm not saying we don't know anything about it. It's been months and we're, there's a lot of studies, a lot of things that we're learning, but still there's a lot of new information and it can be very confusing and that can naturally lead towards divisiveness because what is the truth that we're holding on to? can be a little bit, um, we hold on to theological truth, but what is the, the truth in the world of what's going on with this thing is a little bit, um, you know, up and down. But then, uh, honestly, we, we have to say it, uh, on top of everything, this is a political season. Yeah. So pe there's agendas. People have agendas. Um, people interpret and twist and uh, maneuver and take information and use it for a uh, a political purpose mm -hmm. and I don't think we should be naive to that right like there's a reality of the fact that um, all over the place in every way every kind of information it makes it really really hard to know what's true and what's not true and if you already are a politically aligned one direction over the other it might be easy to run down the path towards one thing rather than the other and hold tightly to that um, because it fits within the worldview that you already have and all of those things honestly push us further and further and further and further away um, from one another. Social media, of course, does that as well on top of everything. It already was doing that before, um, and I, it's super dangerous. So this is a season where everything seems to be pointed towards dividing the church, dividing um, brothers and sisters in Christ from one another on a topic that is really complicated and tricky. Yeah. Well, and then if you think about one step further let's go you have a season where we all feel far less in control than we have probably any time in our life yeah and so to feel like you can get like the the uh your desire to be right is really heightened right now mm. because being right means knowing what's going on means feeling at least a little more purchase on kind of what's going to happen in your life and kind of in our country and whatever else you just feel a little more in control so we're all a little more prone to take the things we see and make them work for us being right mm. and then when someone else says we're not right it's more than just a you know kind of impersonal talk about the issues yeah it's like you're you're ruining one of the few things that gives me any sense of confidence and stability right now um and so like like that co that, that whole combination is just crazy when you look at it all together mm. that's how i feel all the time i want to be right <laughs> all the time and now everyone else gets to experience what i feel <laughs> all the time no i and and i and i think that the the strength of those feelings is borne out and particularly acute right now um and i, I i've said this a few different times recently in individual conversations I'll, so I'll, I'll say it for the first time publicly and you guys can let me know if it's an overstatement but like I I think one of the things that Christians particularly like when Christians get in these like spaces where they're arguing with one another about like secondary kind of tertiary especially politically informed topics uh, the the thing that convinces them that the other side is not just wrong but evil is that like this is like satanic Right. That there is like mm -hmm. there's the prince of the power of the air is at work and taking our society the way that. The, and so fighting against it then is like fighting against Satan. And w the problem is, I think Christians feel this on 
opposite sides of issues sometimes. Mm-hmm. And at, to be fair, the prince of the power of the air is at work in the systems and in the world and in, 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 in all significant ways. And it is not a respecter of party lines or agendas. But the one thing I know for sure is that division in the church over secondary and tertiary issues is satanic. Like that is not the work of the spirit of God. It is the work of the enemy in our world to divide. And there is, and when it manifests, and I'm not talking about disagreements that you process through utilizing the fruits of the spirit. I'm talking about divisiveness that is um, characterized by, by anger and bitterness um, against one another in the, in the church. Um, and uh, thankfully, we're not seeing a, a ton of that. But I do think that the, there's a, well, we are seeing a ton of it in the world. I think in a lot of ways, like, the, I was going to say, that was very optimistic. Well, Thankfully, yeah, okay. we'll not we're, see we're a see, ton of it. We, we are oh. seeing a lot of it. But I also, I, I also want to give... Not in our church. In our local church, I yeah. think the Lord been, has been really gracious. But I, th- I think that increasingly we have to be on guard because of the... I mean, I, I think of it like the danger of Satan getting foothold. Like This is how Satan gets footholds in the church. So, so and I mean, even if you li- look at the list of like fruits of the spirit versus fruits of the flesh. Yeah. Uh, fruits of the flesh, it'll be like, you know, murder and adultery. And then it will list like five or six synonyms for divisiveness. Yeah. Strifes, enmities, factions, divisions. And like, oh, okay, like this is yeah. obviously a really big deal. And a lot of yeah. what Paul was fighting against in the early church was that. Can you go back to, uh, so the disagreement versus divisiveness, because this is where it's, I think it's going to get hard for people to, mm. to really nail down and understand some of the nuanced distinctions that we're trying to make here. Mm. You're saying it's okay to have disagreements. Like Brian and I have disagreements on lots of things. It's okay to have disagreements, but when and how does it become divisive and what does that mean or look like for us to be cautious about? That's that's such a great question. So Brian's just wrong in our disagreements. That's different. (laughs) He just comes around. He says, you know what, Matt, you're right. He says that all the time. That's how the imaginary conversations go. Was that imaginary one? <laughs> it's always hard to tell. Were you, you don't have a unicorn that you actually write on, do you? All right, divisiveness versus disagreement. Sorry. I, this, I mean, this could be a whole th- thing. I, so just off I'm the top sorry. of my head. I'm, no, know, totally. It's a great, you said it, it's it's a great like, thought. No, it's a great uh, thought. Okay, you asked so, the verbal so process. Off, yeah, the top, yeah, off the top yeah. of my head. That's right. You guys have another couple hours? <laughs> I wouldn't just pause, go grab a coffee, come on back. No, I, I think that disagreement, there's absolutely going to be disagreements. And I think oftentimes that's how we sharpen one another, right? By learning and growing together. I think the key difference between disagreement, like genuine um, loving disagreement, let's call it loving disagreement, and divisiveness is uh, the present. Honestly, the most simple, the simplest way I could put this is it's the presence of the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. The difference is... Uh, disagreements are patient. So if, if I don't win you over today, it's okay. Like, I love you. You're a brother in Christ. Like, we're going to continue to walk this journey together, and we're going to sharpen one another. And I'm also going to be teachable. I'm also humble, mm. right? So I, if we're not on the same page, there's a chance I might be a little bit wrong. So I, I want to keep learning, right? D- disagreement is patient and kind. Div- divisiveness is angry and bitter and wrathful. Um, dis- disagreement like in, in the midst of disagreement you can still have joy with someone hmm. 
right? Divisiveness robs the joy of your relationship. Mm. It, it, it destroys the joy of your relationship. Mm. Um, in the midst of disagreement, you can still have peace because we have unity in Christ, right? We are one body. In divisiveness, we can't, like, we're at war because if you don't get this, like, th- this is what actually matters. Like, this is my, the the thing that's me, that, that I, in my, in my heart seems to become more important in my practice and in my thoughts than the gospel mm. itself. And so... Uh, I don't know. I, when I think about those, maybe the most sim- the simplest way is, is I go back to something like that. I think that's incredibly helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think there's what I've seen at least when this happens is that pe- division pretends to be about issues when it's actually about idols, mm. and it's, it's always masquerading as it's about issues. Disagreements about issues. Um, division's always about idols. Because division, and I think that there's a lot, I mean, we could talk for a long time about that, but there's a lot, uh, in other words, underneath the issue are feelings, allegiances, loyalties, desires, and fears that are driving you to be able to say, unless we can agree on this, um, then we can't be united in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Disagreements, even loving disagreements can get... Uh, uh, like heated in a sense, like in a certain sense that you know you, you yeah. have you have hard talks with people and and they're, the issues are important to you, but there's a difference. You're emotionally between, engaged. Yeah, there's a difference between your emotions uh, being present in a fruit of the spirit led mm-hmm. kind of discussion, um, and you underneath the tip of the iceberg about I I really am passionate about this thing is a whole host of fears and and loyalties mm-hmm. and things that are so deeply connected to you. That for someone to just to not agree with you or encourage you or support you in those things is to them not be able to support you. Mm-hmm. And so like that that difference between issue and idolatry, and that's where I think one of the ways that you can know if it's happening to you is how you react when people do disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel shut out and incapable of loving them and and do you feel afraid? Like do you feel like like what are the, what's the emotional turmoil going on? Mm-hmm. And how deep does that run? Everyone, everyone wants to be right. Everyone wants to be agreed with. You know, everyone totally. wants to be like, oh, everyone feels a little bit of like, feels disturbed when someone doesn't immediately agree with them because we think that we're right about things. We care about being right in certain ways, and and yet there's certain things that when you when you trip that wire, it's much deeper than just the common experience of wanting to be right or supported or understood. Hmm. It's like a deep thing that says, I can't be near you anymore i have to fight it's a fight or flight thing there's all these things that show up and that's that's just idolatry talk yeah i that's i mean it's just spot on because i think it's exactly what it does it, it takes the fruit of the spirit and takes it that step deeper to where where do those things come from right and it is it's it's division manifest is this manifestation of idolatry right? when we put anything we clung to anything other than god yeah i think that's really that's a really powerful thought because if your idol is, for example, a certain political party being in power, doesn't matter. Um, if that's like the thing that you feel like is going to uh, give you control over the world or give you mm. hope in a world that is hopeless or help you in some way, and then having anyone, whether it's a brother or sister in Christ or anyone else, say that that party is not the one they agree with it's not just a a discussion of the issues it's actually their 
part of a problem that's undermining the world as it should be undermining what's most important in my heart, in my life at this moment. And that produces a lot of anger, frustration, all these other things that are the fruits of the flesh. And I think that's really insightful and challenging in this time. Well, it helps us to learn. And this isn't necessarily the topic, but I do want to plant the seed. It helps us learn how to talk we're, about these things. We're, we're gonna like we're, we're gonna like double label this episode. Yeah, this we'll is see. great. Like I, I want I want people to listen to this second half. Well, it, we're it's gonna help. I think it helps you know how to talk about these things. Yeah. Because regardless, if it's you that's getting riled up, you need to be the kind. I think the spirit led uh, re- reaction is going is not going to be bottle that mess up and just try and be cool. Like yeah, no, like a spirit led no. reaction is going to be okay. Let me stop talking about this and that and the other thing at this surface level of of issue debate. And let me tell you how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And that might have nothing to do in some ways with what we've been talking about. But let me let me get here because here's how I'm feeling. And that's going to get you into an actual conversation. Mm-hmm. And when someone else is feeling either reacting in really strong, kind of really volatile ways, asking questions like good faith questions mm-hmm. of like, hey, Tell me, tell me how, when I say this, how does it make you feel? How, you know, like what, what about this, this issue makes you feel strongly? Like just trying to ask genuine questions to someone to get to a, a place where you're having a discussion about what's making the reactions happen, not just the sort of the debates that fly over the top of it would really help us in our dealings with other people who disagree with us on issues. Because a lot of times that's for me the source when I feel like someone, even if they disagree with me on something that I really care about, when they look at me in the eye and they say, I still completely disagree with you, but I definitely don't want you to feel that way. There's all of a sudden the entire posture of the conversation changes. The the whole relationship kind of opens up and gets less adversarial. You become more shoulder to shoulder. Like that's, and we end up, we're very bad at that in general because we're not taught to do that in the ways that we typically interact with other people, um, especially on social media and where like, you know, newspaper article arms wars, where it's like like the arms race of like, well, I read this, well, I read that, well, I read this, well, I read that. Like that, that we're not talking about the issue anymore. And and at some point we're never gonna really be able to talk about this issue that we do feel strongly about until we can get shoulder to shoulder underneath and say, look, we've got each other's back here. And I don't want you to feel that way. And, 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 and we can point, I mean, there's lots more there, pointing each other to Christ. There's lots of things there. But at some point, yeah. trying to get one step underneath, it's just counseling stuff that you've taught before, Scott, would be massively helpful if you're the one to volunteer it or if you're the one to solicit it from someone else in a you know difficult disagreement. I haven't just taught it. I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> Loving, messy What we're people. describing is kind of messy. I love, I love when he was like, might. when he said... Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, disagreements versus division. He was like, uh, what would be a good word to describe? Uh, like loving disagreements. And I just kind of chuckled. I thought, <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, oh, like loving, like loving messy people yeah, in the midst yeah. of disagreements. No, so, okay. So to bring, to, to, to bring <laughs> Number this Number one bookseller <laughs> yeah. on the Cornerstone uh, Can we just make it a spot list? Like every time, like if you want to <laughs> learn more about so loving messy people. To, to, to bring this one. Well, I have a book for you. <laughs> To, all right, to, to bring this back and to wrap us up, you know, it, it makes me think about the fact that these are the divisiveness happens when there was some level of intimacy or closeness to begin with, right? Like, I, 
I don't care that a stranger on a farm in Nebraska disagrees with me, right? Like, I mean, I, there might be a part of me that does, but like, what I care about is the people that I'm interacting with, right? The people that I know. And so this is why I think this moment in particular gives is such a unique challenge, why we need to be so uniquely kind of on guard about divisiveness because it's about the people that are that are closest to us the people that we have had relationships with people in our, our church family i mean i i and i as we were talking about this i i remembered i had learned this years ago but like we've been we've all been close for years and which means i've had horrible the thoughts three of us the three of us oh are so we close which means i've had horrible thoughts <laughs> about you before right because because of our closeness those like what it's news <laughs> to us <laughs> And one of the things that I realized um, was that I always had the worst thoughts about either of you late at night laying in my bed. I never had them in the middle of the day. I never had them in the midst of a conversation. I would always have the worst thoughts. Like, because in that moment, like your imagination's growing wild, going wild. You're imagining what people, like you're thinking the worst of, of someone. Right and and it's almost like there's no way f- like you almost like there's no way for your mind to stop it and part of this I, I realized like I, I would have these thoughts I'm like man why like why do I always why is it always at night and you know there's a part of you that's like oh it's because at night I'm the clearest thinking like that's when I'm really <laughs> you know that's what I think is the most accurate but I I came to realize that the vast majority of the time whatever thoughts I had in, late at night like they were almost always wrong they were almost always incorrect and so. Then when the next thought would come, I'd be laying in bed and like a thought would come late at night. And I'd be like, okay, that sounds, that feels really compelling right now. But the last 10 times I was thinking in this setting, I was wrong. (laughs) So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, even though this is really compelling, really convincing, I'm just going to say it's probably not totally accurate. So I'm just going to try again tomorrow. You didn't think that you were just due to be right once? Well, being wrong that's 10 the other side. It, it, numbers eight and nine, <laughs> I thought I was due. By the time I got to 10, I was like, okay, yeah. fine. There's something else going Fair on enough. here. I feel like because of the quarantine, self-isolation, everything else, I feel like we've all been like laying in our beds awake for months. Mm. Like, I just feel like that's what this season is. This season is like this prolonged moment where we just, it's so much easier to imagine the worst. Mm of one another. And what confronts that is actual engagement. What confronts that is actual conversation where you're like, oh, wait, uh, okay, I guess maybe that wasn't totally true. Maybe that was, you know, wasn't actually true about you. Maybe it wasn't actually true about your motives. Like what cuts through that is actual engagement. And and we've had so little of that. Mm. And so it feels like this just prolonged night laying awake, Mm. thinking the worst things of one another. And God is, I think, calling us to remember that most of the time when we think in, these, in times like this, we're not totally accurate. And it's really tempting to imagine the worst of one another. Um, and which also, again, to bring us full circle, I think highlights why it is so important that we serve one another by finding ways to engage with one another personally, have conversations, just spend time together, even if it's socially distanced, even if it's limited, just, just pursuing one another. Um, in love for the sake of the body, for the sake of God's glory, uh, for the sake of his, of our witness to a watching world. 
because he said this is how they're going to know that we're his followers, yeah. right? By the way that we love one another. Uh, and the same plug that I have to give every time yeah. that you you also have to root yourself in prayer and yeah. God's word. Like I think yeah. I, I was thinking about First Peter and like that meditation on the gospel in chapter one, and then mm. like therefore preparing your minds for action. You know, being sober minded, like set your hope fully on the grace to be revealed at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like like sober mindedness is what we don't have in the long night. Yeah, you know, exactly. And so and one of and it's kind of a love God, love people kind of thing where that we need exposure to people to do this. And we also need exposure to God Like we need. Yep. There, we need to be pursuing sober mindedness in all these discussions. And the way you do that is by doing what Peter did. You meditate on the gospel. You listen to God speak through his word. You pray and mm -hmm. you set your hope not on the idols that run you through a quarantine season. You set yep. your hope fully, like all of it, pedal all the way to the floor on the grace to be revealed at the coming of Christ Jesus. So there's something potent to that that says, okay, if that's, if we're coming from there and we're looking to engage with each other, that's going to set us up on a much better foot than staying in bed and letting our thoughts run the show. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there's, there's your steps. Uh, turn off your <laughs> podcast, open your Bible. Turn off the podcast, open your Bible. When you're done with that, close your Bible and call somebody. That's, that's, that's pretty what good. we're all going to do this week. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday.